0: Hey, it is good to be here. Um, If I start doing this, it's because we were having some mic issues, so um, I apologize for that ahead of time. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Uh, Are you guys ready to dig in the last part of the Ten Commandments? Yeah, yeah, that's why we're here. Awesome, awesome. So before we do that, let me go ahead and pray, uh, and then we're going to jump in and We only got two hours, so I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Father God, we do thank you for tonight. And uh, Jesus, I I thank you for these people who are here to learn your word. And I want to pray and ask that you challenge us. um, Father, that you move us into being more like you. I pray and ask, Lord, that through your word, it would transform our hearts from the inside out. And uh, Lord, we know that your word is much more than just a guidebook. Um, it actually changes our lives and it actually helps us understand your heart and who you are. And so let us take what's in your word and, 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 and use that in our lives and be that person that you desire us to be, even though it goes against everything natural to us. Um, and so, Father, um, I'm excited to see what you're going to do tonight in your name. Amen. 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 So, um, as you know, we've been, you know, going through the Ten Commandments, so uh, I wanted to kind of go through the list real quick before we, you know, because we're kind of ending this off tonight, and so I want to see if we can kind of remember maybe some things that we've learned over the last ten weeks uh, from each of the, the, the times we've had together. Uh, and so, uh, commandment number one, does anybody remember what commandment number one was? Oh, it's going to be a long <laughs> Well, yeah. well, what's commandment number one? Do you remember? You can look at your Bible. That's cool. That's cool. Right? Remember he talks about having no other gods, right? So remember when we first started this, we kind of approached it on this, uh, kind of this angle, this, uh, y- y- you know, Eastern cultural angle of saying maybe the Ten Commandments were written as a marriage contract between God and his people. And so that first one, when it talks about having no other gods, the idea, it, it, relationally between God and his people is what he's telling them is this, is number one, you know what, you, um, if, if this relationship between you and I is going to work, um, you can't have other lovers. You can't have other things in your life that are more important than me. So that was, that was commandment number one. Uh, commandment number two, does anybody remember what commandment number two was? okay. Not one person? Uh, who said that? You win like a $1,000. Frankie, pay her $1,000. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> From your paycheck. Um, yeah, it's uh, have no other idols. And, and if you want to put that in a relational value, if you want to say, well, how does that, you know, if you have that in a marriage contract between God and his people, what is, you know, what is idols? Well, what God is basically saying is this. In that marriage relationship, he's saying between him and his people is, you can't confine me. Don't try to confine me to your silly gods that are idols, that are wood or metal, because you can't confine who I am. I'm much bigger, much more uh, than the gods that are around you. So no other lovers, you can't confine me. Uh, What about number three? This is a long, brutal process, I know. Yeah, don't misuse his name. And the idea of that, if you look at the Hebrew and the way that's worded, it's interesting because it talks about how we, it's not just cursing or saying bad language, which we typically go to, don't use his name in vain, but it actually means don't carry God's name into emptiness. Basically, God is saying to us, hey, if you're going to be my people, don't make my name worth nothing. Don't make my name empty. Basically, practice what you preach in your life. Um, and that will bring you joy. That will, that's how this relationship's going to work. Uh, number four, does anybody remember this one? The Sabbath, yeah, the Sabbath day. Um, do you remember, the Ten Commandments were written because the children of Israel, they were slaves before this. And all they knew, right, all they knew, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, was being a slave. And all of a sudden, they're freed from that. So think, for generations, that's all they knew. And so now God says, I'm going to give you rest. Now, if you're working all the time, you don't even understand what rest is. And what he's saying, and he's saying in this relationship between God and his people, that you're not, your value doesn't come by what you produce. Because that's where their value came from before, by what they produced. By producing brick, day in and day out. And for us today... Our value doesn't come by what we produce every day. Our value comes by who we are in God, not by our job, not by the worth that we bring to the world, not by all the great things that we do and all the great feats that we have. That's not what brings us value. And so he's saying, take a day to rest like me, be like me and rest, and you'll understand. So anyway, we can go into a lot more on all these. Uh, Number five, does anybody know what that is? Honor your mother and father. Yeah, where's my kids? They're here tonight. <laughs> honor your mother and father. And basically what is he saying? He's saying, hey, I put authority in your life. There is, and you have to honor authority. And you have to honor people that are above you. And you have to honor those that I put on this earth. Um, next one's, do not murder, which we talked about last week. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? Oh, man, we're in trouble. Yeah. And you remember? Don't ta- Yes, that's true. We- you want to preach? <laughs> He's ready to go. Yes, in the back. There you go. Yeah, when you're holding that bitterness and anger, God sees it. Remember that ladder? You go up that ladder that, and you flatten that ladder down. Basically, we see murder as an act. God sees it as when we hate someone in our heart, we've already committed murder. Because if it's in our heart, it's real. So that was, that was good. Uh, number seven is adultery. Um, and, you know, the meaning behind this is really interesting. Uh, there's, it goes in depth on this, but this idea that God is one, and when a man and a wife, a, man, a husband and a wife come together, they come together as one And adultery splinters that it breaks that apart so that oneness is no longer there So there's like this deep spiritual thing that happens. It's not just adultery that's happening But you're taking something that's supposed to illustrate who God is which is marriage and one and completeness and you split that apart Right, and then that causes tension turmoil and every bad thing And so this idea that says hey, you know what? In your, you need to be committed to your spouse If this relationship is going to work um, We talked about don't steal um, Don't steal I think that's pretty You know You got that one Good job young man You're a smart man uh, Don't steal And then uh, don't bear false witness Or don't lie You know I think that one's kind of interesting um, I think Brad Did Brad speak on this one Yeah I think he spoke on those too that whole idea how does that work within the context of relationship well god is the creator of everything and when he says don't lie i want you to think about this what do you do when you lie you create a false reality that isn't true and you begin to believe and live that false reality and therefore you become a creator like god but it's a creator of lies which is kind of an interesting, which is who we call Satan. And so there's this whole realm here of saying, hey, I don't want you to bear false witness. I don't want you to, why? Because you're deceiving people at the core of it. And this relationship isn't going to work if you're going to be someone who deceives and creates false realities. Okay, so that brings us to number 10, which is tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn them to Exodus chapter 20. And uh, look at verse... Seventeen. So this is our last one, and listen to what it says. It says, and again, at any time, guys. If you're new here, so glad that you're here. You can ask questions, um, and if you, if they're, you know, just go ahead and raise your hand, and I'll try and see you while I'm I'm talking. But if you have questions, go ahead and ask them, like right now. Yes, Exodus? Exodus is in the beginning. No, great question. It's in the beginning of the Bible, so you want to go Genesis. And then your second book is Exodus, okay? And we're going to spend a lot of time right here in Genesis, Exodus, and then the book after that's Leviticus, and then the book after that is Deuteronomy. So we're going to spend all, probably most of our time right there in those four books. So we'll be going back and forth between those. so. So look at what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It says this, it says, you uh, shall not cover your neighbor 's house. You shall not cover covet what do you say cover? You shall not covet your neighbor you 's covet, covet, you wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor 's okay so it 's kind of a, a very interesting this is a this i mean think about you living in this time period during this time and it isn't the world like it is now, they're they're coming to a place where they're starting to gain wealth, they're starting to gain things, some people are gaining more wealth than others, right, and so you're looking and you've got two donkeys, an ox, and this, and they've got 20 donkeys and 10 oxes, right, and so your family's looking over at their family and going, wow, that's just not fair, I mean, we don't do that these days, right, I mean, we're so much more mature than that. I mean, we don't look at our neighbor's boat and go, man, I wish I had that. But I mean, we don't do that, right? Or their car or their job or whatever, right? Right. We're way beyond that because we're in the modern world and we don't deal with those things like they did back then, right? Pretty much so, right? Or am I wrong on that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much, they're struggling with the same things. And so basically, essentially what it's saying is, don't want somebody else's stuff. Don't want somebody else's stuff. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, I lived in, I grew up in this town called Glendora, California, Uh, and um, I had some friends on the next block, and back then you were allowed to go to the other block without parents' permission, you could just go because there weren't crazy people around, Um, and I met this kid over there, and his name was Tabor, and uh, Tabor Nelson, and I remember I met Tabor Nelson because he was driving this, or he was driving, he was riding this really cool beach cruiser, and I'm like, man, that's a cool, I wish And I had this junky old bike That I think my dad got at a garage sale And spray painted, you know And so I'm riding my junky bike And I see Tabor, Tabor Nelson in his cool beach cruiser And I go, man, I wish I could have that beach cruiser And he goes, oh yeah, you can ride it anytime you want And I'm like, I don't even know you And you're gonna, he's just like, yeah, you could just borrow it and I'm like, awesome. And so he takes me over to his house and he goes, and I realized why he would let me borrow it. Because not only did he have a beach cruiser, but he had a BMX bike and a 10-speed too. All top of the line. And then he says, hey, you want to come, uh, come into my room and, and uh, we'll play some video games? And I went into his room and he literally had, back then, I know this, some of you are wow, He had an Atari 2600. You guys remember the Atari 2600? He had every cartridge lined up like I had Atari 2600 and I had combat because it came with it you guys remember that for those of you who are old enough and then and then he had an Intellivision with every single cartridge and then he had this no lie he had this huge bucket of pennies and it was this huge giant bucket later because we kind of grew up together he actually bought a car in high school with that bucket of pennies I hated him because he had everything. He had, but I remember even as a little kid, just think I would go home at night and I'd be like, oh, my bike stinks. My life, and I'd go and play combat on my, you know, Atari and I'd be like, I wish I had other games like Tabor. Oh, I, and, and I would, I was so bitter because Tabor had, why, well, I was basically coveting. I was basically wanting everything that he had. And uh, you ever do that? Do you ever do that now? I mean, do you guys ever covet what other? And maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe this isn't a problem for you. But I know in our world, there is a lot of it that goes on. I mean, you all have credit card debt, right? Because you go, praise God, you don't. Because we bought things that we didn't need to impress somebody we don't even know <laughs> or care about. That's what happens. So the Bible hits this head-on and talks about coveting, and so what we're going to do is we're going to make some observations and say, how can we look at how the people lived back then, how they would have viewed this, and kind of, kind of unwrap, so we're going to look at, again, a lot of kind of fun and different kinds of scriptures, and again, raise your hands, great questions if you have any questions, uh, as, we, as we go through those scriptures, and then what I'm going to do is kind of, then how can we apply that to our world today? Uh, and how can we how can we say how does this affect you and I and how we live now and so if you have your bible again turn to leviticus 25 remember genesis exodus leviticus leviticus verse uh, 25 so so what is god trying to say through this well, why is it so important So in understanding that, let's look into the mind, right? The mind of the people at the time and what they believed about their possessions and what they believed about God. So in in Leviticus 25, uh, look at verse 23. It says this. It it says, and this is God speaking, and he says, he says, the land shall not be sold permanently. Now, Now just stop there. Now before we go on, remember you have a bunch of people who have, right they haven't owned anything they haven't done and they don't even really have the land yet they they they've been in bondage for for you know for for generations and now that they're free they're going to the promised land and god is promising them a place where they're going to receive things that they've never had before okay so they're going to get land they're going to get things that that you know that they've never experienced before Okay? But so it says this, so remember he says so the land shall be not sold permanently, meaning when you get into this land, you it's it you're never going to own it. Okay? And this is why and he says for the land is mine. Okay? So 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 this is what God's saying, he's saying uh, like possessions everything is mine. So whatever you have is not yours. It's mine, and he has no, God's like, yeah, there's nothing about that, I'm, I'm giving it to you, listen as it goes on, he says this, and then he says this, he says, for you are strangers and sojourners with me, and in all the land you possess, you so grant redemption of the land, okay? So again, there's this picture that the, uh, the Israelites understood that the land, they, it wasn't theirs to own, that they were just strangers or foreigners there or sojourners there, And they were given use of the land. So this possession thing that we have, you know, like we, even those of us who have a mortgage, how many of you have a mortgage on your house? You don't own your house. You have a mortgage on your house. (laughs) The bank owns the house, right? You don't really own it, but we, oh, it's my house. Well, no, it's not really your house. It's the bank's house. But even deeper than that, it's not really the bank's house. It's God's house, right? It's not really your land or the bank's land or Chandler's land, it's God's land. So, so it's this, this picture that everything, so coming from that perspective, everything is owned by God, that he owns it all, okay? Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's over to the right. Oh no. Yeah. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen to this. Look at verse 10. And again, if you have any questions, please ask. Um, This gets interesting. It says, so it shall be, it says this, when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? So here they are. They're preparing them to go into the land, right? Just, Just preparing them, and he's saying, hey, when you get there, Right? Remember that this was the land that was promised to you, and he says this, uh, and then he says this, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, because remember, they're going to a place where they didn't build the cities. Um, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when you have eaten and are full OK, so, so you picture this. So they're, they're experiencing, you know, this grace. They're experiencing these gifts. And then it, and then it says, so when you're, you're finally at the place where you're eating, because they're out in the desert and they're eating manna and it's horrible and it's terrible. But they're, they're, as they're looking forward, when you're eating and you're full, it says this. Verse 12, I love this. Then beware. Then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. So, so do you see what he's saying? He's saying this, hey, just remember. This is what you need to remember is when, when you are in that promised land, when you come to that place, you gotta remember it was God who brought you there. Now, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But really think about that. Apply that to your life. Where you're at. And it's God who provided for you to get where you're at. And so he, he's, he, they're bringing this together and they're showing this picture that, that you know what? Every gift, every, all of these things are provided by God. And you know what? You can easily forget that he's the one. Because you know what? When you're full and you're satisfied and you have all your necessities met and the air conditioner's going and you know, you've got a steak on the grill and the pool's nice and cool, it's easy to forget about God. But then there's that moment, right? If the pool pump breaks, the air conditioner goes out, there's no food in the fridge, all of a sudden, what are you doing? Jesus, help me. I can't survive. I don't have air conditioning, right? Isn't that interesting? And so when we have all of our possessions and the things we feel and the comforts we need, we, we ignore God sometimes. And it's only in those times of need that we go to him. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying he doesn't want him to forget. Guys, you're out in the desert now. It sinks, but there's going to be a time when you're not. And when you're not, don't forget. Don't forget what I've done for you, okay? So I hope I'm expanding this picture of how you see this. Now, uh, turn over to the right to Deuteronomy 19. I talked about this a little bit on a Sunday morning. And this section of scripture I absolutely love Because I think it's hilarious And it's kind of some laws that they had in place about property uh, But I find it so interesting And there's so much depth to it That if you just read it and skip over it You miss uh, how incredible it is And so he says this uh, In chapter 19 Actually let's start in verse 11 Because this will kind of catch from last week And you'll remember some of this from last week. So he says in this in verse 11, he says, he's talking about some laws and the cities of refuge. Remember we talked about those? And he says, but if anyone hates his neighbor and he lies in wait for him, excuse me, and he rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send him and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Okay, remember we talked about all that last week if you were here, if not. Listen to it online. It's great. Um, and, and, and it says, your eyes shall not pity him, but you shall put away the guilt of the innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with you, okay? And then, he, and then it, it skips to this weird section, and listen to what it says, verse 14. And then it says, you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set. Uh, in your inheritance which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God w- is giving you to possess. Okay? So why is this law about property set really close to right after this law about, you know, killing someone that murdered someone? Okay? So basically what this is saying is this law is so important and it's up there with murder. Okay, that's that's how powerful this certain law is about these property, sto- this this boundaries and landmarks. So let me explain what this is. So as as the children of Israel were were coming to the Promised Land, right? They would be going to the cities, and in the cities, what would happen was the elders of the cities would go, the elders who were uh, in charge of the children of Israel would go, and they would align property with boundary stones. So. This is how it would work. So it'd say like, let's say all of us were a tribe, right? Woo! We'd be the tribe of Lynn. I don't know. That's kind of funny. Uh, tell them that. We're the tribe of Lynn. No. Um, and let's say um, we were going into the promised land, and we were going to go get our property, which is, you know, in Gilbert. You know, unfortunately, we're the desert, so we don't get anything really good. Um, now, let's just, let's say Malibu for us. We go to Malibu. Um, much nicer. Be by the beach. I like that place. So, what would happen was, before we would head out there, the elders would go out and basically divide up the land, and they would put these boundary stones, right, across each piece of land, so that each family got a portion of land. So, we would go out, and let's say, we decided, hey, you get 10 acres. That's just what it was. So, they'd put these boundary stones around these 10 acres. Wow, that'd be awesome, right? And then, when you went into the promised land... That was yours, that was your 10 acres. Like this is mine, like this is, you know, maybe it's this little piece of land right here. And that's where you could grow your garden, that's where you could, you know, build a home and, and have livestock, that's where all of those things would take place was in this little piece of property or large piece of property, whatever you, whatever you were able to get. Well, amazingly, what would happen, what was gonna happen was people, <laughs> if you got there earlier before your neighbor, you would go and people would move the boundary stones like this. So they would say, well, here's my boundary stones and my neighbor's not here yet. And they would pick up the boundary stones and move it like, you know, two, 300 feet in and set it so that their property is larger and their neighbor's property is smaller. Do you get that? And that was happening. I mean, that wouldn't happen today because people, I mean, we're not like that, right? We don't rip people off like that, but it happened. And, and, and the Bible says that when you do that all throughout scripture there's these crazy verses that say you're like the devil if you move boundary stones you're <laughs> you're like the worst of the worst if you're a person that moves boundary stones right if you and why is that is it that they're stealing so much well I think it's much more than that cuz not only are you you you're stealing but, but, but listen, this is where I'm going to get tonight. It's also that you're not satisfied or content with what God has given you. That's even worse. So, yeah, you're taking someone else's property, but what you're saying to God then is, what you have for me isn't enough, so I need to spread my boundaries so I can have more. Holy cow. And God's like, hey, I've given you great gifts. Is that not enough? Is that not enough for you? I mean, we live in America. Is that not enough for you? <laughs> we had every single person in here had water today. Every single person here had something. To eat. Every single person got in a car that most of the world will never ride in or see to get here and took it for granted because maybe our air conditioner wasn't as cold as it should have been. Do, do you see what I'm saying? And if God is the provider of all these things, and we're saying we're not content and that's not enough, then there's something deeply wrong. There's something deeply wrong. So that's where all this is going, and that's what's happening, and that's what he's getting at. Don't move those boundary stones. Basically basically is this, is you have your life here, and you may look over that stone wall and see your neighbor's life and your neighbor's property and your neighbor's yard and go, I want his yard. I want his yard. I want, I want his life. I want his, you know what, I want his job. I, I, I want I want his kids or I want, why can't my kids be that way or why, why you know, we, and we, we think in our mind what we have isn't enough and we look over the fence and then we start moving the boundary stones to get what we want. You know, spiritually speaking or, or emotionally speaking and, uh, And when we do that, we turn our back on what God's given us. Um, So maybe the 10th commandment, and this is just an opinion, maybe the 10th commandment is an outcome for following the nine. And what do I mean by that is maybe if we live, think about this, if we live those nine commandments, and we honor God with our life and we do those things. Maybe the 10th commandment is, I wouldn't want anybody else's life. Maybe it's, it's a blessing because then I look and instead of saying, man, I wish I had this. I wish I was this person. I wish I could be them. I We're like, God, oh my goodness, thank you. I don't deserve all that I have. Guys, this is hard. I'm not saying this is easy. Because I think we live in a world that pushes back on us constantly to want more and be better and be... And God's like, no. I've given you a lot. When you live in harmony with God, the first nine commandments, we won't want somebody else's life. So, So let me ask you this. And this is a rhetorical question, so I don't want an answer. I just want you to think about it. What do you think... God wants for you. Do you think that God wants you to be miserable? Do you think that God wants you to be frustrated, broken? Okay, now there's times we go through those things. I'm not saying, you know, we're going to live this perfect life. But, but at the core, do you think that God wants the best for each and every one of us? Absolutely. And therefore, he knows what's best for us. And therefore, he knows what we need when we need it. And when we, we see what he's given us and we go, ah, oh, that's not enough. What are we doing? We're telling him, no, I know better than you. I want this. I'm gonna acquire something that I don't need. I'm gonna go and make decisions that maybe are gonna cause my family to be in trouble. And guys, I've done this. I'm gonna buy something that I don't need because, and I'm gonna use resources that I don't have, and I'm gonna try to acquire something that God hasn't blessed me with because I want it because I think it's gonna be better. And we miss out. No, God doesn't want you to be made. I think, I think if you—I think God wants us to have true joy. In fact, I don't think—I know. I know without a doubt that God wants us to have true joy in our life. Like, I'm not talking about happiness, because happiness is easy. I could be happy, but I'm talking about joy. That means no matter what the circumstances, that I lean and trust on God because I know that he has the best for me and for my family or for whatever, that, that's joy. That's way different. That joy isn't dependent upon circumstances. It depends upon who it leans upon, which is God. And if he, think about this, if he wants us to have that true joy, the reality is if we can get that true joy somewhere else, then God isn't God. So God has to be the author of true joy. He has to be the source of everything for us. And therefore, we need to trust him to know that he has the best for you and I. And maybe when he says, when... When you live like I created you to live, when you, when you live these things out, and it's not being legalistic, it's all in relationship with God, but when you live those things, you experience true joy. And you won't have to look somewhere else to get filled. I hope you're getting this. I hope I make it clear, but I'm gonna kind of dissect it a little more. So, so if we want something that belongs to someone else, If we desire, if we coveting something that that I was never intended to have, then it brings me to the question is, how do we get what we do have? Okay, so so how do we get what we do have? And I'm going to go a little more in depth in this. So turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. So turn to your left. Man, it is getting hot in here, but I'm not complaining because God provided this wonderful room for us to meet (laughs) in. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to go in a little more depth of this. This is... I love Old Testament. A lot of people don't like it. I just think there's so much there that we can take from. Listen to what it said. So here he goes off into saying, hey, we're going to be thankful again. And look at verse 10, chapter 8, verse 10. He says this. Verse 10 says, when you have eaten and are full, we're back to that thing again, right? Because they hadn't been full. It says, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. Man, let me ask you this, guys. Come on. How many of you get full at least once a day? Okay, if you're like, hey, okay, yeah. Some of you guys are on diets and stuff. I'm sorry. I feel sorry for you. But, but most, you know what? There is a point in the day. Oh, today I went to lunch at uh, Freddy's. Oh, my gosh. And I went with Marty, our our executive pastor, and we were sitting there. And I'm like, do I get the single or the double? I'm like, I'm getting the double. And I'm getting the large fry. And I just remember after that meal, I was just sitting there. Marty's talking. I don't even know what he's saying. I'm in a food coma. He's <laughs> saying something important. And I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm just like, I just love this food. And He's <laughs> just see his little mouth moving. Um, but right, and I'm full and I'm satisfied. But at that point, do I go, oh, God, you are so good? No, I didn't. That's what the Bible says. This is remember when you're full. Remember. Remember when you're filled up. Who's, who, where, does he, where do these gifts come from? Right, so I guess I am saying that God gives us hamburgers, I guess. Um, verse 11, listen to what it says. Listen, as it goes on. It says this, beware that you do not forget. Listen, beware that the Lord your God... By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and statutes, which I command you today, last when you have eaten and are full, and you have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your your bank account is huge, and your garage is full, I'm putting in my stuff here, and your stocks are growing, and they're multiplying, and all that you have is multiplied. Now, Now, stop right there. Just, and I'm inferring something in this scripture, but what I'm saying is it's, it's, some people say it's bad to be rich. Okay, this right here is not saying it's bad to be rich. It's, in fact, it's saying that, that yeah, it's good when things are multiplied. Okay, it's good to have wealth grow. That's what this verse is saying. Um, you know, you don't have to live as a pauper, and, you know, it's saying God blesses. Like, He does, but there's times that He blesses, there's times He takes away. And he, at this point, He's saying, hey, when these things happen, just remember verse 14, and then it says this. So when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, man, why? Because it's so easy to forget. And then listen as it goes on. He said, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness. So this verse 15, just, you know, I send this to people who just move here. Right? So we have our new, um, our new pastor for our Santang campus, Larry Van Lahr, who's getting a rude awake, awakening to what it's like to live in 115 degrees. So he came from the beach and he's like, I know hot. And I'm like, dude, you don't know hot. No, I know hot. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is so hot. I can't survive. And so I sent him this verse that says this. I said, uh, who, verse 15, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. <laughs> I just love that. It's the desert. Anyway, I, you're going to laugh at that on the way home. Um, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do, um, to do you good in the end, okay? But then listen to what it says in verse 17. This is the key. It says this. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Oh, this is great. It says, after all this good has happened, and we sit back and we go, yes, I did this. Man, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. I've been through all these problems and things and I've gained this wealth and I have this huge house, I have this car, I have this pool, I got whatever. I've got all that I need and all that I want and I've gained everything here. And then it says, my power, which actually means like my strength, everything in me and my might have gained me this wealth. You ever met somebody like that? I've had some... I've had a lot of people in my life being, being working in the church who are extremely prideful about their accomplishments. I've worked hard for this. I've worked years to get. I've earned this. They've forgotten. Maybe you're that way. You've forgotten. Verse 18, and then it says this, uh, and you shall remember the Lord your God, and then it says this, for it is he who gives you power and wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as, this, um, as it is this day. So here's what he's saying. He's saying it's not you. It's God. And again, back to that idea. Everything you have, every gift, talent, and it's not, and here's the thing. If we go back to say how do we acquire things or how do we get things, we get them by two ways. By someone giving them to us or by us earning it. And here, what God is saying is, number one, I either gave you the gift, or number two, I gave you the power, the intelligence, or the gift mix to get the wealth. So either way, God gets the credit. It's all him, okay? It's all him. And so it was either given to you or you earned it with your effort and your labor and your sweat. But overall, the Bible says our possessions and our sustenance is a gift from him. It's a gift from him. You didn't, there's nothing you did to earn. It is a gift from him. They were given to us. You know what's interesting? There's a little side note. The word blessing in the Bible, so when you're blessed with something, let's say some of you guys in here or some of you women in here are are just blessed in your career or you're blessed financially. You just, God has blessed you. Like you don't even know why. You know deep down that you're successful not because of anything you did, but you just have no idea why it just happened. Maybe God is the one that blessed you and honored you with that gift. Do you know the word blessing? The word blessing is, in scripture is always instrumental, meaning it never stays with the person who's blessed. Blessing was always meant for others. So here's, here's how it goes. That God blesses us, not so we get blessed, but so that we bless others. And so we partner with God and experience what it's like to be a blessing. You know, the children of Israel were blessed to be a blessing, but they messed up. You know, and this is later on. They were blessed to be a blessing to others, and they chose not to be a blessing to other people. And God's saying, look, I blessed you to be a blessing to others, no matter where you're at. And I think that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting that he, he allows us, he partners with us. So if we covet something... What are we doing? We're we're bypassing that blessing. If we covet something, this is what we're doing. We're subverting or perverting the way God allows us to have stuff. Now think about that for a minute. We're subverting the avenue which God wants to bless us when we covet. Why? Because we're trying to attain it outside of what he wants for us. Okay, now I don't want to get too technical, but let, that doesn't mean you can't go out and buy a nice car or buy a boat. I'm not—that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if we're looking at other people and we're saying, "Wow, I want that life. I want to live like I want what they have," I, you know. I'm buying this house not because I need it and because I feel like it'd be a it'd be great ministry for us, but at the heart of it, you're doing it because somebody else has it and you want the same of what they, they have and you're trying to attain it when you shouldn't. That's covetousness, okay? It's not wrong to want things and don't get me, don't, I, I'm not gonna go there tonight, but, but that, that's it. But we subvert and the biblical mindset in all that—I hope you're tracking with me. I hope I'm not making this too confusing, but is that our property and stuff and everything we have is not ours, and it's directly from Him, and it was given to us. So, so how does covet happen? How does how does it happen? Well, I, I wrote down the steps. Okay, I love steps. I don't know why I'm weird. So so when, when we covet, what happens? Well, number one, here it is. We're not satisfied with what God has given us, right? So if we're already living in a, pl- in a place of not being content, we're, we are, we're lined up perfect to be covetousness, to, be, to have covetousness in our life. Because we look around and we're not content, meaning we want what somebody else has, or we don't like what we have, and And and, and so we're we're never satisfied. And so we're not satisfied with what God has given us. Number two, we compare our gifts or our stuff with other people's gifts and stuff. And our life with their life and their house and our house and their cars and our cars, their kids and my kids. And and all of a sudden we, we compare, right? And then number three is then we devise a plan on how to get the same that they have. Now this is where it gets scary because we could talk about covet we can talk about coveting stuff but you can also covet people You can I mean this is where adultery happens where a wife says man I wish my husband was like that guy Man why can't my husband be that caring why can't my hu-? and all of a sudden right she's not content her her she's not being You know, she's not feeling loved. Whatever those things are, right? And then all of a sudden she's comparing her husband and that person. And all of a sudden she's devising a plan on how to get that husband. And so there's that extra little hello or the giggles or the little flirting. I don't know, whatever that may be. Do you you see how that works? Looking over the fence at what somebody else has. Moving the boundary stones. No, this is your boundary. Yeah, but I want that over there. So I'm going to move the boundary. That can happen with people. That can happen with stuff. So we devise a plan on how to get what they have or what we don't have. Number four, we plot and we scheme, right? How can I get this and make it mine? I'm great at this. When we were first married, uh, my wife's right here. Um, and uh, when we were first married, I, I mean, I'm a, am I okay husband now? I said, Okay, I'm okay husband now. I was learning, but I, I would do whatever I, I could, I I just, I remember our first car that we bought, or one of the first cars that we bought, and Michelle still laughs at me at this day, you know, I wanted this Jeep Cherokee, like, it was this Jeep Cherokee, and, and there was just no way we could afford it, but I'm like, no, we've just, we've got to sacrifice, because I need this Jeep Cherokee, like, I, I, I think I even cried, didn't I, didn't I cry, like, I was such a, I, like, cried, I'm like, is she getting it, yeah, she's gonna go, and, and, Right? So I get all excited, oh yeah, okay, we can get, the, right? I plot, I do everything I can to convince my wife we need to have this Jeep chair. I know we can, before we go in, the guy's like, yeah, you can have this car right now, it's like 38% a month, you know, 38% APR, man, you get a great deal, 5,000 down, the car's $6,000, you pay, you know, $100 a month for the next 20 years, <laughs> good deal, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want it, I want it, you know, whatever, do I need it? No. My other buddy has Jeep, and I wanted what they wanted, and I really did want a Jeep. i was like, I still want one. Can I get one, please? Please. No. Um, and so, so I do everything right. And so, what happens? We buy it. We buy whatever it is, or we rent it, <laughs> we steal it, we acquire it, we charge it, we get a loan for it. And then, what do we do? We bring it home, right? I'm parking it in the driveway, and I like close the door and like look around in my new car. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and, and, or, or you, you know, unwrap it, you know, take it out of its package, open the box, you know, you're waiting for the mailman to come, so we bring it, and you're like, oh, I got my new iPhone or whatever, you get all excited, right, and you're, and it's like, it's like this moment, this rush of like glory, right, I mean, it's there, it's in your hands, and you, you know, you saw it on TV, or you've been wishing, and it's finally, you could touch it, you could drive it, you could see it, right, how long does that last, right? How long does that moment last where a month later I'm looking at the same car going, that thing's a piece of junk and I have to pay for it for the next five years. What am I thinking? How many times has that happened? Or how many times you buy the iPhone and then the, the day after, the hey, the new iPhone 6.1 came out and you're like, oh, seriously? Right? And and you, you look at your, and you don't eat, the package is still on the floor, and you don't even want it anymore because the new one just came out. Do you see what I'm saying? Because we're, we're never sad. And it keeps going and going and going. And we think we have it, and it's mine, and, and it's supposed to deliver like this. Oh, and it's supposed to heal all of our problems, and it's supposed to make us feel good. And, and then you realize even you have it, and you're still screwed up. <laughs> it doesn't solve anything. And then you have a garage full of stuff. And then we have the rummage sale here and you bring all your stuff and we make money off it. So please keep doing it. No, I'm just kidding. But now, you know, you're in debt. Well, we get it and it doesn't deliver what it's promised because we didn't acquire it how God wanted us to. However, have you ever ever gotten something? Have you ever received something that was a gift from God? Have you ever, that, that all of a sudden you, you have it and, and there's this, almost a supernatural thing that somebody gave it to you or for us, I'm gonna tell you a story. Uh, I remember I wanted to go back to school and we were praying on how to do it and we didn't have some money and I had to finish this class and um, I needed a bunch of cash And we just prayed. And a couple of days later, there was an envelope under our door. Open it up. And there was the cash that we needed to finish. Woo! Pray for cash! No, I'm just kidding. Um, But this is what I'm saying. There is this profound sense of awe when God provides. Then things don't become curses. They become blessings. Because if I would have taken out a loan... Okay, and i say I haven't taken out a loan for school because I have. But if I would have taken, right, it would have cursed the rest of me of of, of that loan. But there's this profound sense of, God, I'm going to trust you to take care. I'm going to trust. And then when it all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh. And the littlest things become a what? A blessing so that you can bless others. And so you have this thing where you can attain things on your own. Or you can do it God's way. Or you can do it God's way. You've heard of those stories where God blesses. And, and what's cool about those is God gets the glory. God gets the glory. When he's able to bless us and we don't subvert his way, he always gets the glory in it. And that's how he wants us to live. That's how he wants us. Well, let's bring this together. Um, so, so imagine... Imagine this space that God's given you. Imagine this, they called it a garden or a a piece of land that's gone. And imagine you and I are living here. And imagine that that in this, in these boundaries, we find joy. Right? We find find everything we need to have an incredible life. Because he's provided it for us. Right? So, so. So every need is taken care of, not every want, right? But every need is taken care of. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have wants, that's okay. But the needs are taken care of. And imagine living in that place and imagine being there and, and, and you're living in harmony with him. Wouldn't it be silly for you and me to, to look at this and go, man, this is so awesome. God, thank you so much for all this. To all of a sudden... Go to the edge of our property and look over at what Joe has over here and go, God, I I know that's good, but do you see what he has over here? And God's like, no, 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 wait a minute, I've given you this this is what the boundaries, this is what I've given you, this is what I'm providing, this is your life right here, this is your family, this is your wife, this is, this is the job you have, these are the things, you know, this is your financial capability, whatever. I'm, I'm blessed you with this. And we look over and go, yeah, but, but man, that guy who owns Microsoft makes a lot more than I, I wish I had his life, he's got helicopters and stuff. Or that neighbor, and they just built a new pool and We've, oh, man, we just have a dirt pit back there with mud in the summer, and the kids get all dirty. <laughs> right? And, and that's what we do. Because here's what happens when we do that. What are we doing? When we're looking at what somebody else has, we turn our back on what we do have. We're saying, God, that's not enough. God, I don't, I don't like this. I want this. And we're doing exactly what the children of Israel did. Yes? Is this the same thing as taking a dress? Like when your parents gave you something and your parents got it, you know, like, oh, you know, they gave you something, oh, you know, you placed it for like a couple days, oh, you know, I'm off what kids need out the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a parent, I, you know, I remember my mom and I. I remember this Christmas and you just brought this up. um, But I remember this Christmas, she gave us these gifts and we were really, we didn't have a lot of money. And she bought me this, this like little plastic dune buggy. And I remember going to her and I didn't understand at the time, but I, I, I'm like, this is stupid. Like (laughs) I I just remember saying it like Mike across the street got this, this, and this. And you give me a plastic dune buggy, you know, I was probably eight years old. I'm like, this is stupid. And I threw it on the ground and she cried. And I'm like, why is she crying? Like, I, don't, I didn't understand, right? And as I got older, I, do you rem- I asked, do you remember that time? And she said, I, she said I, you know, of course she wasn't hurt that, you know, I didn't care about the doobie. What she was hurt was that I didn't respond to her gift because she thought it out, right? She went to the store and picked it for me. She thought I would love this. So here's the other thing. <laughs> God knows what we need. So maybe those things aren't in your life. It's because he knows you can't handle them. Maybe you don't have that because he knows if you got that, you wouldn't be the person because it would destroy who you are. You know, I don't know, but I'm just saying my mom, she just did that because she loved me. God does it because he loves us. Remember back to that whole thing. Does God want the best? Yes. Yes. If he does, then we have to trust him in that. So anyway, we, we, and so if we covet, we're looking over the wall. We take steps towards my neighbor's stuff. And if I take steps towards my neighbor's stuff, I'm taking steps away from the place he's giving me, okay? So I have to leave my life to live someone else's. I can't live in both. I have to leave my life. I can't stay here. I can't stay in God's blessing, because I'm not satisfied there. So some important things to take away with you uh, to take with you. Uh, number one is this: uh, God has given each one of us a place to live in. And this is just some things to, to maybe think through this week. Um, he's given you He's given you looks. Sorry, look in the mirror, that's all you got every time. You know, I wake up in the morning, though, and I know you guys are coveting, because you look at me, and you go, man, I wish I could be that good looking. But <laughs> that was a joke. Um, I always laugh, because my wife is absolutely beautiful, and you are. And, uh, and I, I always go, is this like her ministry? I don't know. Did, you know, what did I, like, I'm just, I'm married up. Um, so you have your looks, you have your body. You have your talents, right? You have your job. You have your parents. You have your stuff. This is your place. Man. And you know what? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. In fact, if you really think about it, it's pretty awesome. If you're sitting in this room in this air conditioning, that's pretty awesome. In fact, we should feel... We should feel blessed to be a blessing. Man, in fact, we have so much that God's blessed us with. How can we bless others with what we have? No matter who you are in this room. Even the poorest of the poor in this room is richer than most countries. You can be a blessing to someone else, whoever you are in here. So God's given you that. Are, Are you content? Are you content? Number two is, this is more practical, take a look at your bank statements, your credit card statements, your debit card statements. Look at your purchases. Were you in your place when uh, when you bought that? You know, was that in your realm of what God has given you? Or did you have to go beyond to make it happen? Did you have to stretch? Did you have to sacrifice? Did you have did you really pray about it? And, and maybe you knew that God didn't want you to, whatever that, you know, I don't even tell you, you know, and it could be something little, it could be something big, it could be your cable TV, it could be your cell, I don't know. But you do. And ask yourself, is this in the realm of what God, is, is this in my place? And then watch what you think about. You know, for me, I, I love fixing up old cars and doing that. And sometimes I'll get on Craigslist and I'll, I'll see like a, somebody's trying to get rid of like an old project car. I've got one sitting in the garage and <laughs> get rid of that thing. But I'm like, I want to buy another one because I've got to fix up something else. And I'll Look at this guy having this great deal. I can sell all this stuff to buy this project car and spend more money on it. You know? And I think I've done that three or four times and lost money every single time because <laughs> I'm an idiot. But that's my we- I can't do that. I have to stay away from that stuff. Because I know it's not my, as a pastor, where I'm at, it's not in a realm of possibility. I have three kids. I can't, I can't be spending my money on this stuff. I got to grow up, right? Can't make those choices. Maybe it's going to the mall, clothing. Maybe it's whatever. Or maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe you want their life. And, and this one happens more subconsciously. You know, when you go over to a friend's house and their house is bigger and better than yours, and you come home and you go, you look at your wife and your kids and you're all squished in your, you know, three-bedroom apartment. And you're like, oh, man, this stinks. No, this is awesome. you got a three-bedroom apartment. Praise God that person has a big house. Praise God you have somewhere. Whatever. Oh, it's my mobile home. Uh, praise God. Praise God you're in a mobile home. Praise God you have running water. You know what I'm saying? What has God given you? And be blessed and honored with that. Because when you live in that place, God's honored. We sometimes say, God, I want this and that and this and that. And he's like, yeah, but I gave you this. I gave you this. Don't turn your back on that. So so I just ask that God shows you your place this week. He just shows you your place. And guys, wouldn't that be awesome if we... If we lived that content life. And I'm saying for myself too. I struggle with this. I I struggle. But I want to be that person. That's content in everything that I have. And. Maybe be at a place where. When I need something. God. Supplies it. Supernaturally. And all of a sudden. I'm going man. I'm living on the I'm living how God wants me to live. I'm living here. And I'm not pushing my boundaries out trying to gain things I don't need. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this idea of being satisfied. And and we know, Lord, that if, if this relationship with you is gonna work, that we have to be content with your gifts, that we can't go looking over other people's fences. That we can't be the type of people, Lord, that are constantly searching for what we don't have and not being thankful for what we do have. And Lord, we are all at different places. But God, we thank you. We thank you right now and we are grateful that you have blessed us. And we promise, God, well, I can't make that for everyone in here, but I, I promise to be a blessing to others. And I pray that everyone here would be a blessing to others with what you've blessed us with. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Have a good one.